Uh, so yeah, as far as listeners know, we left them, I think, thinking we were taking the week off for the holiday, but um, there's some stuff that simply must be addressed. What a surprise. Yeah. Well, I know we both saw, I saw a couple things, you saw a few things. There's one thing in particular, though, that we're a little late on that we wanted to meet minds regarding. Um, last Christmas. Let's talk about it. Uh, yeah. So who wants to give the quick rundown? Well, who in the world could summarize I it? <laughs> it's trying to be a romantic comedy. Yes. And it is starring who? Let's open this. Uh, Amelia open this Clark. Cast. Amelia Clark, yes, as Kate. And Henry Golding of Henry Golding. Crazy Rich Asian fame as Tom. And it's a pr- so the, the shoestring plot that all the madness is strung to is quite simple. There is this young woman, Kate, who has had some health problems and pretty much gotten out of the spirit of life, let alone Christmas. And she kind of gets her groove back a bit by this carefree, fun guy named Tom who wanders the streets and volunteers at a shelter for people experiencing homelessness. She works at a year-round Christmas shop run by Michelle Yeoh, who has named herself Santa for some reason. Santa. Santa. Yeah. Um, Emma Thompson, for some reason, plays, uh, what do we call this, um, her nationalities? Is she Yugoslavian, former Yugoslavia? they eventually say Yugoslav, yeah. Okay. Well, she's playing that um, nationality for some reason. Not quite sure. I, yeah. I felt like this whole thing was like the future liberals want. It's like an explosion at the representation factory. Every every casting choice is supposed to make somebody happy to have seen it. Um, but the bottom yeah. line is we discover Kate and Tom have uh, a connection that shouldn't be too much of a surprise, yet the movie right. seems to think it is um, based on the, on the title. And uh, she kind of gets back in the spirit of Christmas and uh, she makes some reconciliations with her with her family members and she starts to care about her life again. And that is like the least interesting part of the movie. The plot doesn't matter to this movie at all. To me, if it hadn't been so intentional, it almost reaches like room level surreal moments, very strange tone. It it turns on a dime that that strange thing where Santa loves that guy she calls boy and they're like yes. f- saying strange things back and forth to each other. And the music gets odd. Baffling. Like they've yeah. gone into a dream. You think like, are we on, are we on drugs or is there espionage? Nope. Nope. They're just right. nervous around each other. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I can't get around this. The idea that they thought like Rob Delaney has a fe- His name is like featured in the crowd. Right. What's he in for two seconds? And Peter Serafinowicz. Yeah. Yeah. Two people I'm always happy to see in a, in a movie, but they were just, you know, they had an hour free. Why was Patti LuPone in London yes. wandering about? I mean, she played Joyce, but she might as well have just been playing herself because why yeah. couldn't she be Patti LuPone in London looking These through? These are all people that shot. it would be exciting to hear they were involved in a Paul Feig movie. Right. Until you sit down and watch it. I, I like Paul Feig and I like Emma Thompson and I am just baffled by what they've concocted here. It's yeah. so strange. I mean, so legendarily, I guess Thompson and George Michael, when he was alive, had a plan to make a jukebox musical out of his songs and she was going to write it. And then this is just kind of, I guess, where she landed after he passed. And 
I think it's going for that. Um, is his name Richard Curtis? The Love Actually and About Time. And he let's makes say movies. it is a lot like this movies about Christmas and romance and chance meetings and all. Oh, it's got that kind of vibe. But this movie is just so the conception of it is it's like things are being kept from us like Santa and boy. There's got to be a story behind it, right? No, no, there's nothing. There's no story. It's it's so slipshod. It's just not not supplied. And he's his first moment is that he he bursts into the store. He's bold. He's brave. He's coming in to see her. But then every scene thereafter, he's terrified to come near her. Nothing makes sense. When I saw on the title card that we're in 2017, I think I said my first reaction was, oh, has this been shelved since then trying to do something with it? Um, no, yeah. I find out actually it was created 2018 and 2019, set right. intentionally in 2017, I guess, to go with the Brexit themes mm-hmm. and uh, the bigotry that um, Kate's family would have been experiencing. Kate didn't seem right. like she was brought up by that family. She didn't no. seem like she had any warmth because you'd think that they'd done something terrible to her with the way that she treats them. Turns out not at all. She's yeah. just kind of a, a girl who's kind of sick of being too close to home. And she treats right. her very caring parents like garbage. Her character is strangely conceived. And I don't think, I think Amelia Clark is adorable, but I don't think she's, I don't know. I may blame the part or blame her, but it's not, it's not pulled off. No, it's not working. She, it's like she's supposed to be a, lo- a lovable train wreck, but they never quite get to the lovable part. And they're trying desperately to conceal what her trauma was yeah until until they can no longer explain it however if you'd been someone who had gone through it you simply would name it and say right what it was they try to keep it a mystery as if she needs to continue and she talks it about it like reason. it's a shame i don't think right. for an adult person that's a shame of course not of course not uh, she she had a life-saving procedure and she's not the the behavior they choose to use to to build her character and represent her fallout from this health problem is not it's just kind of like she's a she's a thoughtless jerk which made me think that they're also shoehorning in a Scrooge arc which also doesn't read strong enough to be worth anything but she's not acting like someone who's undergone trauma except that they repeatedly refer to a health problem she just acts like somebody who's avoiding adult life yeah, the health thing really seemed to have no bearing at all. That's what I didn't get. They needed to associate some trauma with that health problem because if you just had a catastrophic health crisis, but you had a surgery and now you're okay, that wouldn't just suddenly lead you to hate your family and right. have no hope for living and take a dead-end job and be cynical. What if she And I guess she didn't say this explicitly, but I felt like I feel like she said when I was younger, I had this thing done. But of course, it had to be the previous year for the whole gimmick to work. So I don't, that was also strange to me. Yeah. And what was up with Tom as a character? He's such a cliche of kind of the subways are for sleeping. Hey, I know better than the culture. And I just like live carefree. Yeah. I hate that. That's stupid. He can't help but be charming. And oh, right. Of course. But what a nothing part. What a right. yeah, insulting Stupid. part for an actor like him. Right. Yeah. There's there's just not a lot to say about this movie. That I'm, I, we both said we're glad we saw it. Oh, yeah. It's it is, strange and crazy. Paul Feig fills the corners of his movies with weird people and 
the the you know there's a all the recurring stuff at a homeless shelter that is just really like 1990s level you know a move, movie treatment of homelessness and these people are just props in her story of finding her way and she starts singing outside and brings in some like coins it's unreal that this movie was made and made by prominent people this is not like some under the radar production when she is sh- is shown to be an aspiring actress with enough promise that you can get auditions and stuff. And then she goes in and she absolutely sucks. It's not like she has an off day. She's real bad. And there it's a complete pipe dream that she could be a musical theater actress on any level, let alone, you know, in the West end. And then when it's time for a performance at the homeless shelter, she is a completely different performer all the yeah. homeless people are instrumentalists and professionals. And I know that you need to suspend your disbelief okay. there for this, yeah. for these kinds of scenes. But that was stupid. The idea that yeah. there'd be so much energy in the room and that people would want to dance around and cheer at this impromptu seeming song. Because you know how those homeless shelter talent nights are standing room only for the whole yeah. community. And her arc is also just hard to read. What is the end of her arc? Is she learning to be, to realize herself as a person or is she just like, she decides, oh, I'm not going to audition anymore. Like that. So that was a part of her selfishness. You could still do the things you dream to do and just be a more thoughtful person. And then the idea that he, like, again, we're dancing around a big twist in this movie and um, much like Serenity, which was not as much fun to watch as this movie is, no. but there's it's baffling and cuckoo. And then there's a twist that only makes it worse. Um, but there's no but other place it could go. Sh- yeah. Yeah. He made no sense apart from it. And he's still with her after the twist. But to what end? You could do a movie where someone, again, uh, we're dancing around the specifics of the twist, but someone has a part of someone else literally entwined with them. And then, and then their fates are kind of drawn together, and then the person, you know, finds things different on the other side of of, of this operation. But that's not this. He's just such a one dimensional character, and then she just is always going to have this like ghost hanging around, giving her advice. That's how I took it. I took it that she is kind of now two people, like she mm-hmm. now is both of them. But we don't know that that's meaningless because what does being him even mean? Like he doesn't get. Oh, a full personhood as a character. I'm with you. That's just kind of w- <laughs> yeah. how I took it. Right. Sure. Um, I can't believe Emma Thompson wrote this. I mean, I can because everybody is really sarcastic and quippy and talks like Emma Thompson, but it's just a, it's an amazingly weird script. Didn't it seem like a dated ordeal to have the sister be in like a closeted full living yeah. relationship? And how has that been such a recurring theme this year in 2019? I don't know. Of like, just kind of like smuggling in a bit of contraband gayness in movies. <laughs> like, it's so strange that right. that's how it's I still mean, handled. It was, that was very strange yeah. for really no reason. Cause clearly the family was fine. Right. All, yeah. All she had to do, it was almost as if it was the sister's problem. Right. Not theirs. Yeah. I feel like people know their families and if you feel, I mean, it can always be, you know, nerve wracking or anxiety producing to share a part of yourself, but you kind of know what the reaction is going to be. And usually if people hold it back, it's because they expect a bad reaction and they're usually right. 
um, this didn't make any sense that you would go to such lengths of actually living with a person and having life together. You've moved in and you're telling yeah. your, they're your, your, they're your roommate to your parents who live in town. How do you, how are you right. hiding that? And she, and it tries to, it does the movie thing, the movie plot device where she has wronged a bunch of people and then she sets things right for them and helps them and blesses their right. lives as she's on. But it's right. simply so yeah. superficial and we haven't been that deep into life with her. Yeah, it's a very Hallmark movie, except for how weird it is. And that's yeah. speaking of Hallmark movies that can be quite weird. Right. So, all right, that's uh, Last Christmas. It's crazy. If any of these things sound intriguing or interesting, you got to give it a chance. It's just, it's cuckoo. Oh, yeah, it's a hard recommend for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I, I think we saw a couple of the things. I don't want to spend as much time... Um, but do you have anything else you want to talk about? You want to save something for next show or how do you feel? Um, we should probably save some of them. Like I assume you'll see knives out at some point. Yes. Yeah. Um, did you see Dr. Sleep? I did not. Okay. It's going to take me a while to finish the book and I would rather do that first. So I also don't want too much info. I think I know where right. it's going, but, um, yeah. Well, the other thing I saw that I would just like to touch on because of how much I loved it was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. And I want to encourage people to go see this movie, even if it doesn't excite you, because it sure didn't excite me. It seemed like a meticulous remake of Mr. Rogers' Dumb, and it is just not that. Like, even though they do very good uh, work with those throwbacks, this is an entirely other kind of movie than I expected. Um, mm -hmm. Mariel Heller is just showing herself to be um, a, a really important uh, up and coming director, um, Diary of a Teenage Girl, as well as Can You Ever Forgive Me last year? Mm. And now, now this one, wow, yeah. it, it is, it is, it's stunning what she did because it, it kind of lulls you in with the kind of movie you think it is. And then it kind of goes for the jugular and you realize it's a completely different kind of movie. And it's a very creative use of uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood as a framework for the story they want to tell. Hmm. I'm hearing some people say that they are disappointed and blindsided by that, that I didn't think it was going to be about this sad sack reporter. I thought it was going to be about Mr. Rogers, but I don't know. I wasn't thrilled about the idea of two solid hours of Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers when I, you know, that's to me, that's more documentary material. I'd rather right. see the real show and learn about the real man. So if you're going to tell a cinematic story, this sounds like an, a way in. Right. And this I, mean, I agree with you completely because that's what I thought. Like, I hate Tom Hanks in the trailer. Mm -hmm. um, it just seems like, you know, Hollywood saint playing modern day saint. Of course, of course. Like, it's right. capitalizing on the popularity of the documentary and just how everybody wants some niceness and kindness right now. And that's not what this is at all. Um, mm -hmm. Hanks easily shoots to the top of my supporting actor list for the year. And I would never have guessed that wow. that I would love that performance like I did. Because he's he's not the protagonist, and he's I would I don't want to go into this too much, but the the movie is so in and out of reality that um, I don't even know if, when he's actually a real character and when he's not, because it's based on an essay um, that a reporter did do on, when they interviewed Mister Rogers, and I've not read that essay. Um, I understand that parts of it make it into this movie, but the screenplay is fictional with a fictional name, etc. And you wonder how much of it is Mr. Rogers' influence on this person's life and uh, choices and path, and how much is actually Mr. Rogers' presence in the time that they knew each other for this interview. 
Wow. Yeah. He he almost plays uh, to me like a a ghostly or spiritual figure, um, as well as playing the real life person who this reporter Mm -hmm. met. And and it's it's really um, dark and shocking in places, and just not at all the kind of movie I thought it was going to be. I was probably going to kick it down the street for uh, you know, streaming some at some later day, but mm-hmm. maybe I, I, I'll check it out. I would so highly recommend highly recommend it to you. All right, uh, interest peaked. The only other thing I saw um, that I'll talk about now to get it out of the way is Frozen Two. Uh, Don't which spoil is, it for me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, the sequel to a Disney phenomenon that I was never really into in the first place. I don't hate it. Frozen. Um, it's got a different kind of storytelling and vibe and musical vibe for a Disney princess thing. And I guess, you know, that's not a bad thing, but I just, I didn't speak to me. Uh, and the sequel is unfortunately the, the worst kind of sequel, in my opinion, it like doubles down on the weirdest parts of the original. And it kind of commits uh, to just explaining background lore instead of blazing some kind of new path it acts like it's going to take the characters to, to some new place, but then it, the whole story hinges around convoluted prophecies and vague glimpses of the past. And we thought this thing was this in that first movie, but did you know it was really this? And people see weird magical smears of ice and crystal, and suddenly they understand something that the audience does not. And then they have their own, like, it's just one of those movies that's so weird and mystical and up its own butt. Um, it had a few good songs and bunch of not good songs and then it looks like it's going to have a message at the last minute and then it kind of pulls back and is like no never mind cake and eat Mm. it too so yeah not great i didn't see the original frozen um if i chose anything to see i'd probably see the original one i've heard i've seen some mixed stuff about this one though i don't know if it's people just kind of remembering how much they loved the first one but people doing a lot of reflection on twitter about the themes of Frozen and mm-hmm. how they remain really relevant and how I couldn't stop thinking of how meaningful Frozen was for me when I watched Frozen mm-hmm. 2, which probably isn't the best thing to be thinking when you're right. watching yeah. a sequel of how much the original meant to you. Yeah, yeah. It's without being it's not literally a time travel movie, but without doing that, it's like the Back to the Future 2 of of Frozen. It just like goes back and revisits that movie and builds on the lore and kind of like punks puncture some holes in things but um yeah it's just very concerned with hitting the same notes again and then it, i think it thinks that it's taking the characters to a new place but it ends with some baffling decisions and i, I, I just again it's not for me so i'm it's probably not even worth going on about it but um kids will love it i'm gonna have to see it again with the family thanksgiving weekend maybe oh, you, did, you didn't anyone. see it with you didn't see it with no <laughs> no i saw it as my uh Thursday night new release. Uh, yeah. I completely assumed yeah. <laughs> that you had brought your child with you. Yeah, no, that's. I have a child. Like you, you say <laughs> to nobody in particular. Right. I unabashedly go to animated films. I love animation, oh, sure. and Disney's usually a safe bet. Uh, that's a couple of recommendations and a and a nope. What was week. the? What was the? Oh yeah, Frozen. I guess. Yeah, Frozen did worse than Last Christmas. Last Christmas is, is a. You got to check this out. It's, kind a, of recommendation. it's a double, double yeah. thumbs up on that one. Uh, all right, Dan. Well, we can now enjoy our holiday week and then yeah. we'll catch up with you after. And all right, Dan, thanks for uh, checking in. Oh, you're welcome. Our listener will be thrilled. Right. 
Yes, and, I will be. Uh, yes, and I hope that uh, we'll be in touch over the holiday. Oh, I probably will be. Probably, probably reach out. Uh, all right, I go. That's right. We're recording this as a thing to send out to people. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All that stuff that comes at the end. You know how it goes. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the intelligence of the listener at this point and just I say you can. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Jr. Music's by Jr. John Urbino. Good old Jr. <laughs>